0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. It's neat how the lectionary texts often speak to the time that we are in. Um, Even though the texts themselves were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and the decision to arrange the texts in that lectionary was made a long time ago, you know, the gospel reading today, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is the story of Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, and uh, there being a little bit of a dispute mentioned about whether it's right to worship in this place or that place, and Jesus says God is seeking worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. Um, and here here we are, um, worshiping in spirit and truth, uh, if not in this you know the physical place that we would prefer to be, perhaps. So, you know, <clears throat> I think for me the the most frustrating aspect of this, as it concerns church, is that things were really just starting to get going, and um, as I think ahead to what it looks likely to be a pretty long period of. Uh, social distance i 'm um, really i 'm disappointed that we're it feels like we might lose some momentum around our our Lenten theme of, of the deconstruction project now obviously, uh, any of my frustrations around that or anything like that are they pale in comparison to the people who are actually very sick or who have lost or were lost loved ones obviously that 's a whole different category of suffering but um, for us as a church i 'm feeling that frustration right now, and I know that maybe you are too because you, You have been, perhaps as I have been, looking forward to this for a long time. Um, It's been months in my case that I've been thinking about this. And uh, the response so far has been really overwhelming uh, and positive, um, both to the worship experiences on Sundays and the messages, and also to the midweek workshops that we've been doing. So to think about possibly losing some momentum there is just really, it's disappointing. And it's not just you know about like institutional momentum. It's it's really it's been a lot of work, um, preparation, discussion, dreaming, prayer, a lot of hope for what this could mean for our church. Um, but what happens. And speaking about things that were decided a long time ago that now seem quite timely, um, the the sermon topic that was scheduled for today might actually fit really well with the idea of feeling disappointment. It might just be the th- it might be might be just the thing that we need um, for what we're experiencing as a society right now. The title of the sermon was, and I guess is, um, "Anger, Pain, and God." So, I've uh, I've touched on this a number of times already in this series, in Sunday sermons and on Tuesday evenings. But um, the idea that for, for people who are deconstructing their faith or their religious traditions, people who are processing the emotional aspects of that. Um, are finding that, that that's every bit as difficult as figuring out the spirituality of it all. Uh, of course, that's actually because there there really isn't a bright line between these two aspects of our nature, okay? Like, we don't have an emotional life and a spiritual life and a physical life. Those are not all separate things. We're not compartmentalized in that way. We are all um, one um, being. <laughs> um, but that that sense of, like, Pain or, uh, anger even at God can be very real in a season of deconstruction. And it, it might be that the events of the world right now are making that, that worse for, for some of us. So you remember, um, that one of the things I recommended last week in my sermon, if you heard it was to find solidarity in the midst of a deconstruction experience. Um, And not just to find solidarity with each other, although that that probably is the best thing for you uh, if you're disoriented in your faith. But also solidarity in the pages of scripture. The last week's example was John the Baptist, whose lifelong identity as the precursor to the Messiah was upended when he found himself near death in a prison cell. And then found himself asking the question, is this true? Is the thing that I've been pointed toward my entire life actually just wrong. Um, This week, I want to encourage you and us to try to find some solidarity uh, from the book of Psalms, specifically from a category of Psalms um, known as the Psalms of Lament. So these particular Psalms um, are such a gift to God's people uh, because they legitimize the pain uh, of religious experience. They give voice to our doubts, and to our fears, and to our frustration, and even to our anger. And I, I love that they are actually in the Bible. Um, I often say that, like, if, if modern religious believers, if modern Christians were... Um, Deciding what went in the Bible, we would make some different decisions, but we have the Bible that we've been given, and the people who came before us were much wiser than us in a lot of ways. Um, and so the fact that these Psalms are here, I think, is an incredible gift to us. And I hope that that you will come to see that they um, also even offer us a model for prayer when we are experiencing deconstruction. So let me read you one example. I'm going to give you a short reading from the book of Psalms. I'm going to look at Psalm 13. For anybody who's ever taken a red Bible home, I'll give you the page number there. But uh, you might want to look it up in your own Bibles if you'd like to follow along. Um, or you could just open a new tab in your browser window if you're on a computer. And uh, it's 429 in the red Bible. Uh, and you, you could open the Bible up on your phone. Um, you might have to show your devices here if you want to do it that way. But this is Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now that comes from the NRSV translation of the Bible, New Revised Standard Version. That's the one that's that we use in uh, services on Sundays. That's the red Bibles that we talk about. Uh, but I want to read a little part of that song to you in a different version of the Bible called the Message. And the Message is a version of the Bible that. Um, It tries to emphasize the poetry of the original language rather than making a linear word-for-word translation of the text. Um, Those are two very different approaches to translation, and they're both valid. But with something like the Psalms, which are poetry, it can be really helpful to read um, a different translation. It's actually one of the great benefits of using online Bibles or a Bible app on your phone is it's very easy to switch between translations and compare them. Uh, so here's just a few of the lines, like the opening lines from Psalm 13, uh, as Eugene Peterson translated it in the message. Long enough, God, you've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough, I've carried this ton of trouble, lived with a stomach full of pain. Long enough, my arrogant enemies have looked down their noses at me. That's a little bit more visceral, isn't it? So I want to try and help you learn how to use this type of text as a form of prayer. I think this is a really, really beneficial tool for us um, at times like this. Now, at its most simple, the idea of praying with the Psalms is nothing more than just, you know, opening the book or looking at it on a page and using those words to form your prayer instead of your own words, the words you might come up with on your own. Now, if you've never tried that before, I want to tell you, that can be a huge relief, especially for people who are in deconstruction. Um, this is one of the things that actually saved the idea of prayer for me during my own season of, of deconstruction. Um, there was a time when I couldn't really find my own words for prayer. It felt just incredibly hollow and uh, actually pointless at times. And to be able to use the Psalms, which are in a sense prayers, um, was really, really a gift to me. Um, And especially for people who might be having trouble giving words to like the emotion of uh, it all, This can be a real gift. Um, Do you need a charge cable? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let me pause for just a moment. Um, The battery on my laptop is a little bit low. We're going to get through it, I think, but um, I sent out a text to my family who lives close and has a charge cable, so if the screen jostles a little bit, um, that's probably what it is. We're plugging in the computer because I was not... um, well, wise enough to bring uh, a laptop charge cable. Traces task. Okay. And um, my pocket and my wrist have been bumping me constantly during this, as somebody probably <laughs> responded to my text messages. We're still figuring this out. I'm uh, looking at the microphone right now and realizing that it's pointed away from me, which is probably why the volume was low at the beginning. <laughs> uh, probably why you could hear me say, whispering as I was leaving this spot, I'm going to go get some water. Um, Anyway, we'll leave it as it is for now, and things will be more uh, put together next time. Okay, all of that came right in the middle of of something that was um, uh, perhaps quite emotional, so I apologize for that. Um, If you are in a deconstruction experience and can't find the words for prayer, using the Psalms is a huge gift. And I want to encourage you to try to do that. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You can just read the words and pray them. If, you're, if you were taught to say, Dear God, before you pray, just say, Dear God, and then read the words. If you were taught to say, Amen, at the end of every prayer, just say, Amen, at the end. Those little cues actually can kind of get your your mind oriented in a way, if, you're, if you've got a long-standing tradition of that being your model of prayer. Um, I want to say that's also a gift to you. If you are not currently in a season of lament yourself and here's why, because praying the Psalms of lament, when you are not in a season of lament yourself can help you build that solidarity with other people that I've been talking about. That's so important to getting through these types of um, experiences. If you pray and make these words from the Psalms of lament your own, When you're not feeling that, then you can be doing that on behalf of other people. Maybe someone else that you know or you love who is hurting right now. Um, So I encourage you to do that. And I'm going to mention a few of the Psalms of Lament, but uh, if you are looking for other ones, honestly, you can just Google the words Psalms of Lament and you'll get a list. Um, I think there's actually even a Wikipedia entry for the Psalms of Lament, and that would be a a place to start too. So that was Psalm 13 that I read a few minutes ago. Here's another famous psalm of lament. It's Psalm 22. So it's quite a bit longer, so I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm just going to give you the opening lines. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That might be familiar to you. Psalm 22 is a very important one in the liturgy of the Christian church, even though it comes from the Jewish tradition. Psalm 22 is almost always read in the liturgy on Good Friday when we remember the crucifixion of Jesus. And the reason for that is that Jesus quoted the opening lines to this psalm while he was on the cross in the middle of his own crucifixion. Uh, Talk about solidarity. Um, Even Jesus, God in the flesh, felt solidarity. Separation and abandonment from his heavenly Father. Um, and so in the midst of our suffering, it's, um, it's a gift not only to know that the people who wrote these songs and this were their songs uh, felt some of the same things that we feel, but also that Jesus himself felt some of those same things. That's incredibly powerful. Um, now, here's something else that I came across. This is a theory that I came across, so I don't remember where, um, but I really like, I really like it. Um, oh, and here comes my laptop charge cable. We're good to go. We won't have to stop in the middle. Um, you can plug it in right down there and then just send it up to me. Let me just pause for a second so that I don't interrupt the, the point that I'm about to make. Shout out to Abel. Yeah, thanks, Abel. My son Abel, who uh, ran this up to me. Let's see if we can get some time. All right, we're powered up. Thanks for bearing with me. You know, of all the things we had to figure out to try to do live streaming, I didn't think that uh, bringing me a charge cable would be one of the things I needed to write down on the list, but apparently it was. So um, I'm mentioning uh, something that I think is an interesting and compelling theory about uh, Jesus quoting Psalm 22 on the cross. So the theory is this, that it's not just that Jesus was experiencing the depths of human suffering and offering us this incredible validation of our own deepest doubts. Um, I think he was also offering us hope. And and let me tell you why. Um, I think it's, it's quite likely that Jesus knew the entire psalm by heart. And actually that a lot of the people who were within earshot of Jesus on the cross knew that entire psalm by heart. Uh, and that, So that means that they didn't just know and recognize the opening line that he quoted, but that they and he would have known the whole psalm, including how it ends. Now again, I'm not going to read the entire psalm to you, but here's the closing stanza, um, how the closing stanzas begin of Psalm 22. Remember, it starts out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it ends this way. From the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. It's figurative language. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. So it's almost as if Jesus, in the deepest depths of his despair, at the lowest point of his entire life, moments before he died, in agony, was giving all of humankind a glimmer of hope a sign pointing toward a lifeboat on a sinking ship or, or maybe a piece of driftwood for someone who feels lost at sea. The truth is that most of the Psalms of Lament have some kind of ending that brings it on a positive note. And I do think that that can perhaps offer us some hope. I, I do think that ultimately we are supposed to be people of hope For all the ways that I acknowledge that um, feeling pain and suffering is part of the human experience and even the religious experience, I do think that ultimately we are supposed to be people of hope. It's a crucial part of our experience as God's people. And so the codas at, at the end of these lament psalms can give us some of that. Sometimes. Other times, those closing stanzas can seem really hollow. If you're just not there, it can be hard to hear those parts of the psalms and take them to be anything more than, you know, whistling past the graveyard. So for those times, there is one psalm that I can point you to that will not try to tie a pretty bow um, on the end of the lament, and that's Psalm 88. Uh, Once again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's the very last line of Psalm 88, just to prove to you that it doesn't end on a hopeful note. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness. Another way to translate that ending is darkness is my companion. Darkness is my only friend. Uh, That's it. That's the song. And once again, I'm really grateful that somewhere along the line in the history of God's people, we decided to include this in our sacred text, and not because I think it's God's desire that we remain in a place of hopelessness. In fact, I actually think Psalm 88 doesn't tell the whole story. I actually even think, I would go so far as to say that I think the the theology inherent in Psalm 88 is is perhaps wrong, I actually think God is the one who caused the suffering for the psalmist for what it's worth. That's not why I'm glad it's in the text. I'm glad it's in the text because it reminds us that we are not alone. That even during those times when we feel most alone, we are not alone. So let me say this to you. If you are feeling deep despair right now, deep fear right now, whether it's because of the coronavirus and how it's affecting us, how it will continue to affect us, or because of other factors that only you know about, weights that only you are carrying. If you feel that way, I want you to know that you are not alone. Even though we can't be together with each other in person on Sundays right now, we are together in our spirits. And we are together with all of God's people, not just those who exist in the present day, but those who exist in the line of faithfulness that stretches back thousands of years into time. We are together with Abraham in his faith, who got up and went when God told him to go, even though God didn't tell him where. We are together with the author of Psalm 13 and 22 with the the feelings of sadness and longing and uh, pain that eventually subsided and gave them a chance to write those last lines. We are together with the author of Psalm 88 who wrote the whole psalm in a season of despair and we don't know how that story even ended. We are together with John, who reminded us that the light of the world shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And we are together with Jesus, who is the light of the world, in his humanity, and in his suffering, and yes, even in his divinity, and in his conquest of sin and death. So I'd like to conclude with a benediction and I so wish that I could be in the room with you right now and see your faces looking back at me. Um, So receive this. May you know that in these dark times you are not alone. May you know that your sadness, your fear, your anxiety and your despair do not disqualify you from being part of God's beloved family. May you know the peace of Christ, which transcends all human understanding, which, by the way, might mean that you don't get it right now. May you know the light of Christ, which drives out all the darkness of the world. May you be the peace of Christ to others whenever and wherever you can. And may you be light in the darkness. Do not grow weary in doing what is right. And love one another. Go in peace from wherever you are to wherever you need to go. Or stay in peace if what you'll be doing today is staying. Thanks for being here with us today, and uh, stay tuned for how things will unfold uh, in the coming days and weeks. Love from all of us at Artisan. Be well. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.